The hero factor is that special core fundamental that stands some companies apart to achieve true greatness. There's no better time than now to discover and revive your business story. Your origin story begins now. Hey, what a great show today. I got a CEO. He's a member of the Hero Club. You'll, you'll hear that come out loud and clear. I met him through the Contract Packaging Association, which is a group that I started numerous years ago uh, when I was trying to market labels. So I went out and started a Contract Packaging Association. Different story, but let's talk about what he's doing because I want to talk about your business and values because is your business guided by values or the bottom line? You got to pick one. And I don't care which one you pick. I hope you do pick the value side, but you can pick bottom line. It's fine with me. But today we're talking about values and doing the right thing, even if it means walking away from lucrative long-term clients and business when your values don't align. We're talking to with a guy that's walked away from a couple million dollars a year and more over a period of years when the values didn't align. And that's who our guest is right here on The Hero Factor. He did that and his business continues to thrive. It's really clear in the interview. Tom Landry is the co-founder and president of Allegiance Staffing, which operates in 14 states and provides workers across several industries. And we're so glad to have him. Welcome, Tom Landry. Hey, how did you get started in the outsourcing business, the recruitment business? I mean, because you're in every industry there is when it comes to doing jobs. So what do you really call yourself, an outsourcing business or employment business? Well, it's the nom de jour. <laughs> it's, it's like whatever the industry wants to call itself or thinks is popular at the moment. And I think realistically, what it comes down to, it's still, it's temporary help. Yeah. You know, and now on top of that is all the other things that have developed over the years of temp decor to, yeah, simply outsourcing departments to outsourcing entire processes where people are even talking to, you know, with statement of work agreements, you basically turn over a department to a company like me and I run the whole thing and I'm subject to the outcome. So it's really evolved drastically over the 30 years I've been doing this, but Technically, it still comes down to I've got seasonal hires, I've got special projects, I've got ramp ups, I've got a new operation opening, and I, I want to do like an RPO program where you do all the recruiting, you do all the processing, you do the onboarding, I'm just going to make the final decision. So there's a huge spectrum of available options to the right companies. You know, we think about this inside of the hero factor and we talk about operational, you know, excellence. We talk about values, you know, real hero companies. So, you know, we're good to great leaps off. That's where we know the hero factor kicks in. Listening to you, and, and I know you, Tom, through our hero club, and obviously I've got a quote or two here in the book, and I want to talk about some of that around values. I know you're a real value-based guy, but there's an undertone to what you do that's just strictly economics, right? It's bottom line. The companies are making bottom line decisions. You can do it better than they can do it. And there's a dollar amount. But how much of the business is actually, you know, what I'm calling about the human factor? Well, I think the, the human factor comes more into play with, I think, the more, I hate the word progressive because it, <laughs> it brings up a political aspect to it. But I mean, people who are really open-minded and wanting to try different things. Mm -hmm. I mean, probably our biggest, one of my biggest questions were where out in the street, listening and talking to prospects ultimately comes down to, do you want to fix it or not? Mm -hmm. Now, if you really want to change, yeah. you've got to change and change means drastic. Sometimes it means a little bit of upheaval, but if you want to get to a different spot, you got to do a different thing. Yeah. There's always some pain. And by the way, there's always some pain to it in some way. Yes, eventually. Or, dis or discomfort, maybe. I mean, it's kind of like you want to get in shape. If I want to get in shape, which I'm trying to do, it hurts. 
Yes. You know, it hurts. It's, For three or four weeks, it hurts. <laughs> Especially at my age, man. It, it really hurts. It's painful. I'm, I'm right there with you. Yeah. I think the challenge on the human side is just kind of accepting what you can do to make a serious change that, yes, on the surface, it says, oh, that, that sounds good. But ultimately, it has a huge drastic downstream benefit to everybody involved. When you make a decision to make a change in your company or the way you operate and you want to bring in everybody involved with you into that, we're working on a project right now in Indiana with a second chance group Mm -hmm. and trying to really expand all the benefits of really working closely with this project. Everybody wants to talk about, say, prison reform. I'm just going to use this. Yeah. You, know, you get a guy who made a mistake seven, eight years ago, and now he's a convicted felon. Nobody wants to hire him. Why? It, because know, he made it, a mistake? I mean, yeah, he made a mistake. I mean, I, here, I had to go through this issue this weekend. I think this is a really cool point. I, I've hired ex-cons. I've had a number of them work for me. I had a guy one time call me. He said, this is my call while I'm in the jail, Jeff. I've screwed up. I've been drinking. I'm in the jail. I'm going to serve a 90-day term in the county jail. One of the best sales guys in the guy, he said, they'll let me out during the day if I can find a job. Will you hire me? I said, yes. (laughs) He called me from the jail. I said, so he had to come over the next day when when they work release, and I had to fill out paperwork and all that, and he came over, and I hired him. He was the best sales guy I ever had, and a great guy. This weekend, I had to deal this with my nephews. We had a flat tire on our skid loader. We took it into the flat tire place. And one of the guys working on it was wearing an ankle bracelet. And you had it covered up with a sock. So he's obviously out on parole, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And the boys noticed it, but they kept quiet. But they looked at me wide-eyed. And so when we got in the truck and we were driving off, I, they, I said, well, what would you think of that? And he goes, he, he went to jail. You know, these are young boys. I said, yeah, he did. I said, but it's interesting. He did his time. So what happens? What do we think? Well, he went to jail. I said, well, let me tell you. What if I treated you, you went into timeout? Because you've been in the timeout, right? I said to the boys, yeah, we've been in timeout a lot. What if I kept treating you like you did something wrong after you did your timeout? And they go, that wouldn't be right. And I go, the same thing should be about people in jail. Because society says we give them this opportunity to redeem themselves. They served their time. They did their time. That's it. Unless it's violent or, you know, there's some other mitigating factors. You and I know that. Is that surprise you that people that still do that? Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. And, and then what the crazy part is, a huge majority of my business is the industrial side of it. They're three PLs, they're warehousing, they're distribution centers, they're manufacturing, and they're the ones screaming for people and they can't find people and there's no people. Well, no, there's a lot of people. Yeah. And because a guy got caught with a zero tolerance on drug policy, you know, you got a guy that got caught with a dime bag seven years ago, now he's a convicted felon. Now, now we're selling on the street corner. Yeah, that we're, has we're nothing. Putting, yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's, in an, it's in oil and seven at the Seven Eleven. You can get it in oil at Seven Eleven. So now you can't. The guy can't sling boxes with socks. Yeah. I mean, that just doesn't, doesn't make right. any sense. That's what I mean. Like the human side is do something different and get involved and make a decision on who you're going to be as a company and say, can I really truly make a big impact somewhere? Can I change my neighborhood? Can I change? you know, my whole company profile and, and why you're in business. And, and one of the things that being on IWLA with their diversity council is, you know, people totally associate diversity with race. Yeah. That's the first thing that comes to mind. It's right. like, no, diversity is expanding the workforce yeah. to people who in the past were sometimes overlooked. Down syndrome people can do unbelievable amounts of work that a lot of people normally they wouldn't even consider. 
you know, there's a yeah, lot I mean, it could of be, opportunity. It could, be, it could be geography, age, education, everything. everything. You know, a black, white can be race without question. But I look at diversity of, I even like diversity of thought. I think yes. it's important for your business to be thinking about diversity of thought. What happens if you have everybody thinking the same way? Uh, that's not good. No, you, know? you need some challenge. You need somebody to say, hey, you're full of it, Tom, and make you rethink your own position and, and look at alternatives because everything is changing so fast. By the time you adjust, everybody else is on to the next thing. So <laughs> I'm just thinking, thinking if you had all the people that just believed in NASCAR, all you to do is have drivers that turn left. That was it. That's all you'd have in your company. That, was, that would suck right there, man. C-Suite Radio. You know, Tom, one of the unique things, and you and I met, uh, I think it was a couple years ago, at a packing, content pack, contract package association. Yeah, San Antonio. Yeah, and we filmed a television episode. And, and then from that, it was real interesting. By just talking to you, I could get a real sense of deepness in you, and how you think, the way you run things. And then, of course, you're a member of our Hero Club, which is awesome. So values seem to be at the forefront of a lot of what you do. That kind of defines who I am as a person. Yeah. It's very easy today to see low life succeed. Yeah. <laughs> and it's re and it's really tempting. And Doesn't it just really, piss you off? Yeah, it, it just challenges you. Yeah. But you uh, still you, have to you said it nicer. Pisses me off. You have to decide who you're gonna be. Yeah. And that it, should be your driver for everything. Is it easy? No. Yeah. It's it. extremely hard, especially it, dealing with people. You know, if you're a one man band, it's pretty easy. Yeah. But when you're talking about hundreds of employees, thousands of temporaries, and you're trying to lead with that same level of, you know, standards and, you know, what drives you? What are, what are your motivators? And then trying your to, core. What's a core for you? Yeah. Who yeah. are you? Yeah. I mean, because I know you, you have walkaway values. I mean, and look, one of them is in the book. We talk about that and I want to get yeah. to that in a minute. But where you actually have a real example where someone tried to get you to do something a certain way and you said, nope, not doing it. So in the one case, you gain business. In the other case, you lose business. But that doesn't seem to bother you, right? No, because the ones I lose, I'm going to lose anyway. Yeah. Somebody that asks you to do something that's borderline fringy, mm -hmm. they're going to ask you to do it again, and you're going to do it again. And all of a sudden, now you're compromising who you are Yeah. to try to satisfy something that the minute you say no, you know you're gone anyway. So why don't I just cut my losses now and say, see ya. Yeah. And then I don't have to compromise. There's plenty of companies out there that'll do anything you want. That's not necessarily who I want to do business with. I yeah. want to do business with people that have the same set of standards and, and values. And then you know you have a long-term customer relationship. You can both grow together. Yeah. You become partners that are trustworthy instead of this vendor, supplier. It's, it's more of a combative, you win, I win attitude. It's crazy. And especially well, there's, yeah, now. There's, there's never a win-win. When you're, it's based on values, when it's based on mutual respect, mutual conditions of satisfaction, there's win-win. Right. When you have that, yeah, this, yeah you, get, you get it, this big purchase mentality of like, I, you know, I got to shove you down to win. I, I don't even bid in those situations. When people, they come to me about that stuff and I, look, I'm not even interested. How do you balance uh, values and profits? We just changed, kind of, kind of funny you asked though, I just changed my whole comp package for everybody this year. Mm. And I said, for the company to be successful, we need to generate this amount of revenue, which in turn generates this amount of profit. And that keeps the banks away, that keeps the insurance <laughs> companies away, yeah. you know, and everybody's still our friend. And that's something that we just have to have as a company to succeed. Now, anything beyond that, 
I want to share with whoever helped made it. So balance it out of, I'm a firm believer of how much stuff can you have? <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. how many houses, how many cars, how many planes, yeah. you know, how much stuff do you need? And then once you get to, you're protecting your entity and you're saying, okay, we're good right now. Anything over that, I want to make sure gets spread out amongst everybody else that really made it happen over and above what they're compensated for so that it's not exponential to me, it's exponential to all of us. You know, the more profitable I am, I'm happy because everybody's sharing in it. Right. I think uh, versus, you know, me going on 15 more vacations. It's, yeah. uh, you know, that doesn't accomplish anything. Well, they're nice, but you know, they're how many nice, you need? Yeah, exactly. Exactly right. You know, it's like in the end, you still got to have purpose. Does, does that kind of wisdom, Tom, come with age? Or does it come with it? Does it come with the experience? Does it? I mean, how do you ingrain that? You know, how do you get that? I think it comes from experience, and it can happen at any age. Who was a great mentor that first started that out and first put that into you? Whether it's mm-hmm. your parents, your teachers, coaches, and is that kind of where you grew up? And then we all kind of get in that. You grow up go to college, you get out of school, you start your career and you get so caught up in career and probably beginning family. Maybe some of those things were originally there, get pushed to the side because you're not talking about family balance and your life balance at 27 anymore because the company is demanding 60 hours a week. And it's like, you do what you got to do. It's hard to do the things you think are right of family time and, and lifetime as well as work time. But as you get older, you get experience, you've seen what works and what doesn't. And I think at some point, everybody's life, they got to pick who they want to be. Who are you? And you look at yourself in the mirror and you make a choice. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is influential by the people you hang around with. I mean, I met a guy six years ago now, basically changed my life like forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you ever see the movie Seven Days in Utopia with Robert Duvall? No, but I like Robert Duvall. Great. And the guy that wrote the book, it started off as a book. You can read it in three, four hours. It's a life book. And uh, it's Dr. David Cook. Mm. And I I met him six years ago. He changed my life forever. I'll never be the same person. Yeah, we have to come to that realization. Once we come to that realization, that's one of the unique things what we found on the hero factor is that those that live values earn more, gross more than anyone else in the industry, earn more than anyone else in their industry. They have happier employees, all right? They have more engaged or they have more engaged employees. They have more happier customers. Their customers are more pleased. And they have vendors who just really want to do business with them. It's funny now that I can see that when I didn't know that before, but the faster I got to that, now when I see it, it's like, oh, boom, lights on, lights on, lights on. You know, you can see that and you can pick them out of the crowd. Kind of like years ago when I did my, my Bloomberg show and I did, I used to do a show, I did a show on CrossFit. If you've ever seen CrossFit athletes, they all look the same. You know, they do. They do. They're building an aesthetic brand of the body. And he's the founder says that. And I can see that with Hero Club members, too. And we can tell them who they are real quick and and who has the hero factor, who doesn't, who are wannabes. Man, I see them all the time. You know, I see you see the asshats, too. You see those all the time. Those, those, (laughs) which we refer to. C-Suite Radio. Hey, you know, one of the other things that we talk about, and that is in the book, and I want to get to it because things for purpose. And a lot of companies take the value thing and think it's like a cause marketing thing or a philanthropy thing. And I keep telling people, nah, it's not the same. 
I thought this was a great quote that was in the book that you mentioned. It's on actually on page 73. This is what you said. When you sponsor a cause, you often get an opportunity to speak in an event. What I consistently see people do is get up there and give a five-minute commercial about their company. That, to me, is the rudest, stupidest thing I've ever seen. Instead of saying why you're involved with a charity and promoting the charity or promoting the function and giving some gratitude for actually being there and being thankful for the ability to help and try to support it, you turn it all about you. I love that, man. I put that right up the front part of the book because I thought that was cool. That pisses me off, too. <laughs> well, you know? yeah. And Lord, the thing is, I'm doing it again in three weeks. Yeah? What, South, what are you doing? Southeast Warehousing Association. and. Well, you go to all the glamour spots, don't you? Oh, yeah, they're wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) And they said, you know, do you want to give, I'll give you 10 minutes Saturday morning to say what you want about allegiance. I said, well, I really don't want to. I said, could I talk to your group about how to protect themselves from bad operators? And can I let them see behind the kimono of staffing and what reality is? I said, they'll learn more from that than they'll ever learn about me. I said, I can't service all the guys in the room. I don't have offices there. But they can walk away and take something back that, they can implement Monday. He goes, really? You'll do that? And I went, yeah. I said, I don't care about me. I'll get mine at my own pace. I said, but if I can help your members, you'll ask me to come back again. Right. That's all it is, is do they trust you? Do they believe you? People that just sit there and do something so they can say, look what I did. They're empty suits. They're not, they're not doing it for the right reasons. They're just doing it for self-promotion. And I see companies do the same thing. I mean, do you really, are you out there? Are you really doing it? Or are you just saying, Hey, I can write this check for 10 grand and look at all the publicity I get. Well, the more you give, the more you get brother. Well, I totally believe that. Yeah. 100%. I mean, it's tough for some people to understand that, you know, and it's tough to pass up the allure of the commercial or the pitch. But I've always found the more you give, the more you get back and the more value that you create as a result of that. And when you create value, people want to do more business with you. Right. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, look, let's be clear about the hero factor is all about doing the right thing and putting people over profit. But let's be clear. We want to make money. Yeah. Because we're, if we're making for, money. We're driving the rest of the world. This is a free enterprise system. So we got to do that. We're a profit corporation. <laughs> well, most people are. You know, yeah. most people. There's a lot of people aren't making profit, but they try to. But they're again, they're wannabes. What was the most influential business tip you ever learned or tried? You said this guy's changed your life, but what's the one thing that you did that you were like, oh, okay. Was it a sales thing? Was it a, a management tip? No, I think is the biggest thing was just is do the right thing. Yeah. And if you don't get it, you don't get it. And it's meant to be. Learn to accept the good deals and learn to walk away from the bad ones. Because that saved me a lot of effort in the last 15 years of we uh, talked about this in the call called learn lose fast. Yeah. Lo- yeah. Yeah. Well, well, I actually turn that around and say win fast. You know, you, you're going to lose. We're all going to make mistakes. Right. But I say win fast because just get through the loss as fast as you can. So you get to the wins because in the end, yep. that's what you want to do. Who wants? That's the nobody, biggest thing. And nobody wakes up in the morning and says, I can't wait to lose. Well, there's a few of those people. I know who they are. You know, there's a list. We pass it around, by the way. Right. Yeah. But you walked away from a, a big piece of business one day. Yep. It was, you've been working with this customer for 13 years, as I recall. Yes. Probably 14 by now. Talk about that. Can you talk a little bit about what happened? Yeah. It was another, you know, venture capital group bought the company. And, you know, and you know, their deal is slash and burn for five years, raise the bottom line and spin it. And, yeah. you know, there's some things that they could control the cost and others they couldn't. And labor was one of the things they felt they could control. 
And they asked me to compromise what we did in our screening process to help drive down the cost. And I want to give me the example of what the what they ask you to do. Well, I don't need drug testing. I don't need background checks. I don't need you to e-verify, you know, just send me bodies. And I went, I can't do that. And he goes, well, what do you mean you can't do that? I said, well, my insurance company, my bank, I mean, everybody I do business with knows that that's my standard. I said, so if I do that for you, I'm going to compromise my whole company for one customer. Well, you could probably get by with not drug testing, not doing that. I mean, you you can run a business that way. You're, you're saying yes, you, you, you choose can. not to do that, right? Right, we choose you not to. You can't get by without e-verifying it, right? I oh, mean, no, you can do that too. You can, really? Seriously? Oh, yeah, that's what's wrong with, well, that's a whole other hour that's and a half. That, we, that's, all, that, that's, the, that's the episode on the wall. Yeah, because <laughs> it's not mandatory. And that's why we have what we have at the border today. But, you know, it was just a matter of compromising who we were as a company. And they acknowledged the fact that we were the best supplier they ever had, that we outperformed everybody else, that our people were the highest quality, but they just didn't want to pay for it because it didn't match their bottom line. And I just kind of said, not the same values. We don't have the the same same process and I can't do that anymore. You know, we had another client that's just happened three weeks ago. Again, we parted ways three years ago. This one was 23 years as a client. Wow. Three years ago, we parted ways. What was the average business? Just the average year's business. Two, like, two and a half million. Two and a half million for 20 some years. Yep. Listen to that, folks. I want you to pay attention to that. And we this, said, ain't, this, ain't, this ain't little, these ain't little zeros. That's a lot of zeros. And this is the same thing about I-9s versus E-Verify and doing the right thing and and processing it and protecting people from serious compliance issues. And I said, I'm not going there. And they went, well, we got somebody who will. And I said, you probably just need to do that. Yeah. Well, guess what? We got a phone call three weeks ago and said, hey, uh, Uh, it didn't work out. You want to come by and talk to us again? And we said, sure. And now we're going to take the whole thing over again, but it's going to be our terms. Yeah. And it's going to be the same stuff we were proposing for 20 years. And they said, hey, we want you to implement everything you've been talking about. Safety, compliance issues, supervision. We want to do it all. You were right. And I went, okay. Doesn't that make you feel good? Yeah, that's great. And it wasn't even a, I told you so. It wasn't a nana. Yeah, it was like, it, hey, I'm really happy you saw it. And let's. And you're let's, not sticking it to them. No. Right? Let's, let's, some, there are some people go like, I'm sticking to them now. I'm going to give it to them. I'm going to make them pay. Yeah, and what good does that do? Doesn't, doesn't do anything. Do. Yeah, it doesn't do you any good. Doesn't do you any good. This is fascinating. Tell me, just give, 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 give yourself a little commercial here on Allegiant Staffing. What's the company? Where are you based? I'll give you a, give you a well, free plug. We've got a really, nobody else is structured like us. We started out as uh, 23 franchisees. Mm-hmm. Our franchisor filed for Chapter 11 in 2001, and we said, why are we paying you royalties to say we're not you? So we bought our way out of our contracts, and then like the dog that caught the car, what do we do with it? And we didn't want to start a new franchise system, so we said, what model do we like? And we like the NFL, so we're structured just like the NFL. Mm-hmm. We have 14 partners that are part of the LLC. Our companies are licensees and have the right to use the name. And right now we operate in 14 states, 37 branches, about $115 million in revenue. We're in the process of converting to a common, finally after all these years, a common uh, software platform. It's <laughs> going on right now. We're going to probably convert to an LP after the first of the year. So we're all under one EIN number. Makes it a lot easier to do business with us. By the way, it gives you all an opportunity for an exit of some kind? Well, it's a scalability yeah. now, too, and yeah. it's a lot easier to roll up. And then I think the 
you know, where we've been is they started this thing 11 years ago, third party company called Innovero, and now they've changed their name. But anyway, they wanted to start a a process of measuring and they're, and they were a quality company like JD Powers. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And they wanted to do a deal for the staffing industry and start ranking people. So they use the net promoter score method. Mm -hmm. And we have been best in staffing for 10 consecutive years, which is the top one half of 1%. And the net promoter score, you got to submit your entire customer list. You can't cherry pick. So uh, for 10 years, our average net promoter score is over 70. Wow, that's in- fantastic. Yeah, I know. The, in- the industry average is eight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, there's a difference. Show that a, chart. Show that chart. <laughs> Here's your brain. And we, and we do. <laughs> Yeah, I bet you do. I bet you do. Well, it's a pleasure, brother, to have you part of it. It's great to have you as a leader in the Hero Club, but more importantly, it's great to have you as a leader in business because uh, it just shows that there's just great people out there and you're making it happen. And I want to thank you for being a part of the Hero Factor today. No, it's my pleasure, Jeff. Meeting you and all the group involved with you has really been a big plus to me and look forward to many years of doing it. Amen. Thanks so much. Cheers. Bye. C-Suite Radio. Okay, at the end of every show, I like to talk a little bit about what I learned and or what stuck with me. I'll tell you, obviously, the values conversation stuck with me. I mean, that's a big part of what the Hero Club and the Hero Factor is all about based on values. But I'll tell you another one. Diversity just isn't about race. Diversity is something that you need in the business. We find that great hero Companies had diversity and inclusion, and diversity has to be more than just race. It has to be about age. It has to be about size. It has to be about smart or not so smart. It has to be all kinds of things, and you need to think about that. Remember what I said in the show? If you're only got NASCAR drivers working for you or driving for you, they're just making left turns. All right. That's what we learned right here on The Hero Factor. Don't forget to tell other people about the show. It's right here on C-Suite Radio. And this is Jeffrey Hazlett with The Hero Factor. You've been listening to The Hero Factor podcast on C-Suite Radio. Find this and other podcasts like this on c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.